I gotta get a song, dude. I keep forgetting to get a song. I need an intro song. But if you're listening, just imagine there was an intro song. And I keep saying this, but by next episode, we're gonna have some type of musical introduction. Maybe. But either way, welcome back to Division One Rejects. This is episode 84, recording this on the night, the pristine night of January 23rd. Just me and Trev tonight. Yep. Trevor, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Bumped. Glad to be here, as always. Had a good talk with uh, Arthur Cox out of UW Stout. I think that's the first. It's the WIAC. I keep saying WIAC, and then he said WIAC. He didn't correct me, which was polite of him, but I definitely was butchering the name of the conference. I wouldn't know. Tough look but... for me. <clears throat> Tough look for me there. But either way, great talk with him. I think that's our first representation from the WIAC, like I said. Just incredibly strong Division Three conference Probably, like, the best in the country? I would say the best in the country. I mean, it helps them a lot with geographically. There's yep. no D2 football in, in the state. Co- yeah. In the state. You're either it's, going to Madison or you're going to D3, one of the yeah, D3 schools. Yeah, it helps them tremendously. Midwest football, man, slept on like crazy. Midwest oh. football is just of a different caliber. So, anyways, talk to Arthur later. But before we get to Arthur, we're going to talk to Jack Gilchrist. If you've been listening to the pod for a while, you know Jack. He's our guy over at GV. And uh, we talked to him all about Wooster. Scott Wooster's taking over the job at GVSU after Matt Mitchell. It's been announced that he is moving on to Wisconsin. And uh, he'll be taking the special teams coordinator role up there as well as coaching the outside linebackers. So, big move for the former D2 head coach, Wooster, filling in. And I will say... I did call that on our last pod that Wooster should be the front runner and would probably get the job. You didn't say that. Um, oh, cut there to the wrong camera. But boys were a little skeptical. Boys were a little skeptical of that take. Just glad to not hear said. I told you so, but just a just a reminder of the previous take. Anyways, we'll talk to him all about the new coach over at Grand Valley, and then we're gonna get into the NFL, the divisional round recap and reactions from this weekend's slate of games, and uh, some awesome Cowboy fan reactions because we know they're just the most humble and loving fans yeah, on the planet. For sure. <laughs> over under on number of TVs broken in that segment. Wow. Probably, <laughs> probably at least three or four. Yeah, that's not a bad guess. <laughs> that's not a bad guess. Um, but moving on to the college football side of things, I'm really excited to talk about this one today. Uh, we got a guest from D3 Football Day today on, and today we're going to be talking about the, quote, the biggest little game in the nation. That is Ithaca versus Cortland, or New York University, or University of New York at Cortland, and the Cortica Jug rivalry. See what they did there? Ithaca and Cortland, it is Cortica. They put it together. Creative. So, very creative uh, masterminds. That rivalry started back in like 59 or something crazy. But we're going to dive into that rivalry because I was there in 2019 where those two schools played in MetLife Stadium. They set the Division Three record for attendance with over 45,000 fucking people in that thing. Crazy. It is crazy. It's so crazy. 45,000? That's more than a lot of, like, D1 schools. Like, yes, group dude. of five attendants. Like, Unreal. It's so, way more than they that. played in MetLife in 2019. This past year, both the teams were 9-0. They played in Yankee Stadium. Really? Yankee Stadium. That's sweet. Awesome. So, we're going to take a look at videos and pictures from both of those. So, definitely stick around for that. Um, but, as always... You can watch this episode on YouTube. Don't forget about the timestamps. If you want to go right to Jack's conversation, you want to go right ahead and listen to Arthur, use that little red bar on the bottom of the screen on YouTube and just drag it all the way forward and then get the hell out of here or maybe bounce around, listen to a little bit of everything. You know, get the get your palate, you know, take it to paste, taste palate all over the place, man. Get a little bit of everything today. Um, but you can listen pretty much anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Follow us on Twitter. Just hit 600 followers at D1 underscore rejects and Instagram division one rejects. Um, for more of Raspy Kobe, I'm not sure where my voice is gone, but 
Uh, we're going to deal with it anyways. Before we get into all that stuff, let's head over to Allendale, where they're welcoming the new head coach, Scott Wooster, with our man, Jack Gilchrist. First up on this episode, we've got our man from Allendale, where they just announced the newest head coach for the Lakers. It's Jack Gilchrist. Jack, pumped to have you back on, man. Yeah, it's good to be back, man. Great time to be a Laker, huh? It's been quick, dude. Like the whole, just within a week, basically, all that news came out. Yeah, it's it's good. Like they obviously want to like make sure they make the right choice, but um, in terms of recruiting and you know getting guys on board with who you got, like it's good to be swift with it with the decisions. Oh, hundred percent. So. We went through that too because our process was just. Pretty drawn out. And, you know, like I told you, I, I served helped on that search committee. And there was like multiple times where like, we need to get this thing rolling because you have signing day rolling up. You have recruits that yeah. are figuring out where they need to go. So like that is huge. But uh, it gets announced that Mitchell's leaving on the 15th. We get word that Wooster is taking over just six days later. What was that time in between like? And how much did you guys know? Because I remember you and I were texting back and forth. And by the time I read it, what you were kind of texting me, it was already on my Twitter feed for some blue checks talking about Mitchell doing this, doing that, some like insider type stuff. Yeah, no, that was crazy. That that was, it was. like that was released like before I had even I even like knew for for a fact what was happening when I looked at like the time it was posted. But yeah. I mean, like, that's what a lot of people are trying to it seems like it's more and more prevalent as dudes just find out on social media. And I think, like, sometimes, too, you look at, like, pro guys. Could you imagine finding out, like, you got traded or you're getting cut by, like, a tweet? Yeah, no, you, you like, hear about all those stories from, like, that's how a lot of the pro guys, like, you'll hear them tell a story about that's how they figured out they were getting traded or, you know, caught and stuff like that. It's, it's wild. It is nuts. Now, he's heading over to Wisconsin, which supposedly with the coordinator title. Big move for Mitchell, but honestly, for – me and for us, I don't know how you guys feel. Still a pretty surprising move for him with his tenure there. And I just, is that how you guys felt too? Or are you kind of expecting a move? I don't imagine you would be. No, we weren't. And it's kind of like, you feel like you're going to have him forever for your time here. And, um, you know, in terms of like consistency, that would have been nice. But it, it is what it is. I don't blame him. He did the right thing for his family. And, for himself in terms of moving up yeah uh, and you know it is what it is we're we're moving forward here so yeah i'm gonna say you guys have the luxury of like thankfully your program is in a solid spot now, obviously you've got aspirations to do a lot of bigger things like you guys want to hoist that national championship but i got to imagine that you know yep. operations are still going to run smoothly now the stat that was wild about him leaving too he had 117 wins at Grand Valley, one game less than Brian Kelly's record at 118, dude. Yeah. No, Nuts. that's that's wild. Maybe, maybe if he I mean, I'm not sure. I don't I, I doubt he looked at that, but Oh no, 100 percent not, but still. Because uh maybe if he did, he would have <laughs> stayed or got one more win to time and whatnot. He would have stuck it out, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But maybe he would have thought about it more. No, the fact that it was a game short was just ridiculous. Like, that coincidence is crazy. Um, but we saw the player reaction from you guys in that room when they announced and they told you that Wooster was going to be the guy. I feel like for me and for a lot of us, that's the most telling thing is you guys were just fucking pumped. Like, you were ready to go. I feel like that's, like I said, that's the most telling thing. What was that like? The guys obviously excited that, that Wooster is going to be at the helm. 
Yeah, he was he was who all of us wanted, like uh, me and included, and and every other guy in this program that I know of uh, wanted him to be the guy. And um, it's good that it turned out that way. Um, our athletic director Kerry Becker did a good job, and like I said, in terms of making it quick, and um, it, it's just awesome that it was him. So I, you know, it, it's pretty confidential. Like I said, like you were on the search committee, like none of us were. They, uh, our athletic director did a good job of like updating us um, uh, with who, you know, just kind of like what, what, where we were at in the process, and you know, the coming down to the final swing of things, but. Yeah, no, it was kind of, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but it kind of, uh, like, was similar to, like, the Marcus Freeman hire at Notre Dame. Like That's literally the next it, thing I was going to talk about, dude, is, like, the reaction. That's the first thing I thought of, was Freeman coming no, into the room, the guys were just pumped. Yeah, like, it's the same thing. They wanted him as their, like, internal hire. We wanted uh, Wooster. Like, it's very similar deal, so. He now, he's been there for three years now correct and you know part of that offense offensive line obviously the run game coordinator what is his and again we've already seen like it speaks volumes of the guys reacted but what is his relationship like with the guys and what makes him the right guy to you know to lead you guys moving forward uh well first of all he's an elite position coach and um you know he was the run game coordinator uh, on top of being the offensive line coach and like he easily to his craft, which is, you know, which was being the offensive line coach and he got our guys, right. I mean, we have talent, but you know, he, he was, I, I see it firsthand cause I, you know, I face him every day and yeah. uh, I face the offensive line every day. And he got here, I believe it was summer of 2020 or maybe spring or like a little bit. It was right before I got there and, you know, you were getting to college at like the same time. So like that 2020 fall. So he's been here, um maybe a little bit longer than me but um yeah no he's excellent man that's that's our guy so I love that dude and then like I said obviously hiring internally have to imagine uh, a lot of the same operations a lot of the same day-to-day stuff for you guys and then along with that I would assume the majority of your current staff is sticking around or do you have you guys not really talked about that yet yeah he had mentioned that um at least the way I remember it that the the, the staff was sticking together and so good uh, that's that's what everyone wanted to hear and uh you know that, that that's just what we wanted moving forward and i think it's easiest for him too because well yeah you know then he doesn't have to yeah. go make a bunch of hires obviously he'll have to replace himself at offense line and then uh, mitchell with special teams so I, I don't know if someone else is going to pick up those duties or we go find another guy or what the deal is there but yeah no that's, that's 100%. and then you know like i said you guys still have those larger aspirations, but I have to feel like this is just, I don't know. I don't know how the right way to describe this, but you guys are still on the same path, same trajectory. Like the, all the things that you want to accomplish are still in front of you. Um, what does this do mindset wise for you guys? What else changes uh, maybe internally or mentally for you guys? What is, uh, you know, you're only a few days into this, but what do you see about being the biggest change about this for you? Uh, well, the changes are kind of going to be up to him and, and we'll follow his lead, but, um, it, it's good because everyone like it kept everything intact, and um, you know you don't have a bunch of guys transferring, and uh, you can kind of try and pick up where um where we left off from last year in terms yeah. of keeping guys together and just keeping that same. You know there will be cultural uh, adjustments, maybe or what it'll be whatever Wooster wants to do. We'll we'll follow him in terms of 
itinerary changes and just just everything yeah. that he wants to do we're going to do it so those will be the changes not much will change uh, in, in in my uh, estimation I, I don't think uh, we'll see what he wants to do but yeah yeah four new coaches in the league this year dude yeah, that's yeah. Four no, new head. Well, at least three currently hired. Obviously, still the position open at, at Wayne, but a yeah. lot of change. Especially when your team only has what we or our conference only has what seven teams right now. Yeah, so that's more than half the. That is ridiculous. Which is crazy because I think after the twenty-one year, I, like I don't. Were there any? Not that I can think of. I don't remember any after uh, the twenty-one season. So it's just wild. You go from, I think, no turnover almost maybe to more than half. So. Yeah, like almost 60% of the league, which is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Now, like I said, the one opening at Wayne State, Wooster played there. He graduated from there, coached there for a long time. Um, you and I had kind of talked about it a little bit. The timing definitely worked out for you guys, it seems like, because I'd have to imagine some of that conversation with you guys when that job opened up was like, is that something he might want to pursue? And how do we keep him around here? Because like I said, it sounds like he has a great relationship with you guys. Uh, yeah, he does have a great relationship with everyone here. Judging, you can tell that off the, the reaction from everyone. But yeah, no, we wanted to keep him, and I, I you know, I don't, I can't say if he was going to be gone if he didn't get this job or or not. But um, yeah, yeah, just a key, no. just a key get back for you guys, just to keep him. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like I said, like that's why we, I mean, he was our guy, and, and it keeps everything internal, and, and it keeps um, what we have intact you know, going forward. So yeah, then looking next year, kind of to wrap it up here, like you said, return a lot. It feels like pick up right where you left off. Like like I said, everything is still on the table for you guys as a program, I feel like. But um you certainly are losing a couple big pieces. I didn't realize uh Swanson was coming back. Yeah, dude. I didn't realize he had another year, man. Dude, he's been here forever. He's an old guy. (laughs) He's been here forever. He's a man though. That's gonna be a big that's a big uh returner for you guys though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Stud. There's a lot of that. That class has kind of carried us the past. Uh, I don't know, however many two years, two seasons, because uh, that represents the bulk of our starters right there. That that class, and so there'll be there'll be six years next year, and they're mm-hmm. they're huge in, in terms of what we're able to produce. So yeah, and like you guys are the fact that you're bringing a lot of them back because, like Swanson had told us, like unfinished business man like he still wants to go after all that stuff and he still feels like he's got work to do here you know what i mean like he, they those guys want to be on the program they've been in school forever it feels like but they want to be around you guys which is awesome now uh Tariq enters the portal and there's a couple other guys that you know did jump ship but like like we were saying you didn't have this mass number of guys that as soon as mitchell was announced he was leaving that they were just jumping ship right what do you attribute yeah. that to and them feeling like secure in the program because you see that with a lot of places like when coaches leave, you're going to have a mass exodus of dudes that just want to get out of there because of uncertainty. Yeah. Um, I think that's partially because we were just like fingers crossed for Wooster and just the idea that he could be here and like guys are staying. And then like like we thought, like if he's staying, that means all the position coaches are staying. And yeah, it keeps things moving forward. So hopefully we can get Tariq back and, um, I, I, you know, I don't know what that involves and and whatnot but when you have a player like that you hope he can stay but oh yeah he can explore what he's what he wants to and you know good for him but hopefully since we got Wooster back then like like I said things are staying 
a lot a lot the same and hopefully he'll see that and want to stay so hell yeah dude big things coming for you guys but busy rest yeah. of the day for you huh yeah a lot of a lot of stuff long day <laughs> I, it's like I, the the six o'clock start for a class is just like not ideal dude but that is brutal i hit you up yesterday you're like yeah three to nine is not gonna work like holy shit <laughs> yeah and if, like there's like a two well like an hour window in between one of my classes yeah but it's just awkward dude it's an awkward yeah. time man i hate it but hey and yeah knock out the rest of your stuff brother appreciate you coming on for a, a quick conversation my man yeah thanks for having me man of course brother hey we'll see you yeah see you pal great talking with the man jack um, he was a little Trev. You weren't here for that one, but he was on the move. He's walking around, getting in the car, and I'm just sitting here, kind of watching. They're like, "Hey, where are we going?" <laughs> I'm gonna be like, "Where are we going, Jack?" He was. Uh, it was nice for him to fit me in his schedule, though. He's dude's got a dude's got a packed day. I'm texting him, trying to set him up. It's like he's like, "Yeah, three to nine is like not good for me." I'm like, "Damn, <laughs> <laughs> courses are you in, dude? That's ridiculous." Not any I be in. No, I it's ridiculous. But um he had a ton of great things to say about Wooster and just the position their program is in we kind of related it to that marcus freeman hire at notre dame just because you saw the reaction video from the players at grand mm -hmm. valley oh yeah that was awesome energy was crazy energy was really yeah. crazy so you got to feel really good about their position um and as much success as they as they've had in the last couple of years i think in their eyes and a lot of other people it's still underperforming which I, is crazy I think so too i, I really do because they, they they are ready to take that next step like it almost feels like they're plateauing a little bit yes and it doesn't help that their arch rival is Ferris State, who is yes. now two two time national yeah, champion. Yeah, you're in the same conference as them, and that's why we talk. Biggest to, rival. We talk yeah. with Jordan Jones about the playoff, right? The playoff yeah. structure and the fact that those two teams meet over here in the bracket instead of all the way at the it, top. It, it doesn't make any sense. I, we don't need to get into that more, but awful. It, it just doesn't make sense. Awful. It's really hard because those two teams are just quality teams, but. Another two quality teams. These ones aren't playing D2. They're playing D3 ball. That's Ithaca and Cortland, or that would be the University of New York at Cortland. This is the biggest little game in the nation. And Trevor, they play for maybe one of the coolest trophies in the nation as well. I'm going to pull it up right here. This is the Cortica jug that, that they play sweet. for. And you'll be able to see there's obviously three of them there because you can just only fit so many dates on one Cortica <laughs> jug. So they move on to, uh, you know, the subsequent Cortica jugs. This rivalry started in 1959. Hence, probably you need three jugs to keep track of all those. We can see the Cortland helmet on the right there, the Ithaca helmet on the left. And, you know, the reason I want to talk about this, one, because the rivalry is just so cool, right? Those are awesome. Mm -hmm. Just like a retro, like, trophy is it's oh, just yeah, so sick, right? Yeah. Now, 2019... They played this game. It's a yearly rivalry game. They're in the same conference. They played this game in MetLife Stadium, right? And it broke the Division Three record for attendance. I'm going to pull up a picture right here of MetLife. And their attendance was 45,000. Official attendance was 45,161 people. And it looked like that. That is insane. Dude. I'm talking, and this doesn't even really do it justice because I was at this game, like I said, and I was down in the field on a visit for Ithaca. And when I tell you, the atmosphere was so similar to that of an NFL game. Obviously, it's an NFL stadium, but right. you have to get the people in there to have yeah, that atmosphere. 45,000 people there. There you go. Hey. I'm talking like lower and middle bowl at a certain point was just about full. That's it was so impressive, dude. So impressive. Man, that might be more fans than Geno Smith-era Jets had at MetLife Stadium. <laughs> yeah. They were horrible. You might not be wrong, dude. Seriously, like that's insane. Oh my gosh! This picture, though, you take a look at this guy right here. 
That is hard. That is sweet. That is hard. That was one of my favorites, dude. But, like, I just imagine playing in front of that crowd. Now, Ithaca went on to uh, pretty handily win that game. Their quarterback was balling. He was a bruiser. He was running all over the place, and I remember him making a lot of plays. Both those uniforms pretty clean. I was just going to say Both fire. the uniforms pretty clean out of these guys. Cortland with the, that red just pops I off really the white. I really like the Cortland. I like the, the stripes on the shoulders. Those are... It's almost giving me a little bit of a Cornell vibe. Yeah, a little like, bit. A little yeah. bit. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I think that the stripes kind of do that. And then the Ithaca, the Ithaca Blues are pretty sweet. They got some sweet um, gray jerseys as well, actually. But um, before we talk about them a little bit more, I got video of this crowd, too, because I don't think a picture does it justice exactly. So this is a video, and let me go ahead and uh, mute it in our studio here. I got it muted, thankfully, on the... On this, they're not just getting that ear rape of whatever was just going on. But um, this is a video from inside of MetLife on that day in 2019. And I'm not, I'm going to say, preface this by saying, I don't know what the cameraman was on, why he's flipping this thing back and forth. But uh, holy shit, look at that. Wow. That's pretty sick, man. Look at that when he zooms out right there. Like, I'm going to pause that. Whoop. There. (laughs) What? Like, dude, that's more than a lot of D1 schools get. Like, oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Not man. to bash the Mac, but look at that compared to most Mac. Yeah, games that's very, that's very true. That's very they true. Have the Mac that's home. That's, I guess that might be a bad example, but yeah, because it's just an unconventional time. Yeah, but, but I mean, like, dude, look at, it's a D3. Like, that's just insane to me. Both sides just showed out, and that, I mean, that is just that's special, dude. That is like really special. Um, and I've got a couple more that I want to show before we move on to. Uh, Yankee Stadium here, but here's a little bit of a longer kind of like a feature because, like I said, I just don't think you can get enough of this stuff. Like it is just so cool and unique that um, you got to check this out. And for a D three school to be able to do these type of things, I think it's so sick. So here we go. We've got like everything from the tailgating to the actual stadium, and like I was out there for the tailgate, dude. Badass. Look at all this, man. So this is in East Rutherford, New Jersey, I believe. So technically not even New York, but obviously um, this is where the New York professional teams play. So it does make, there's a little bit of a tie in there and look at this dude. So sick. That's unreal. Like kickoff in there was electric. There were actually a couple of really big, really big time plays. Defense was flying for Ithaca. I remember, I just remember all that. And they had college game day do a pick here. Really? College game day picked this game. I believe Herb Street was the only team to not pick Ithaca. He picked Cortland. And uh, the dude after the game comes out, he said, Herb Street really ain't pick us to win. <laughs> they love it, dude. Can you imagine having game day pick yeah, your looks, game, dude? That is awesome. Look at the energy in that. Yes, stadium. dude. Look at that. It's unreal. I love it. So uh, kind of moving on from this one, Yankee Stadium. Before we really move on from the whole Cortica Jug game, uh, I want to kind of – this is kind of the wrap-up of this one. But – Yankee Stadium. So you have, how do you, again, this MetLife Stadium 2019, you break the D3 attendance record. How do you move on from that, right? And I think their goal for a time at Ithaca, really when it's kind of conceptualized, is to have this opportunity for at least, you know, one for the class to experience this opportunity once. So maybe like every four years, Mm -hmm. you go and do something like this. I guess they couldn't even wait that long, right? Because 2022, they already got back to do Yankee Yankee Stadium, excuse me. And when I pull this one up, I think you will uh, find this one pretty cool as well, courtesy of the Cortland voice, apparently. Um, Check that out. That is awesome. Dude, I personally did not. Have they played football in Yankee Stadium before? Pinstripe Bowl, I'm pretty sure. Pinstripe Bowl. I believe. Don't quote me on that. Okay. But I think there is another bowl game. 
We're, I, I think there's a bowl game. There. I did not know that. The pinstripe bowl sounds extremely fitting, so I'm going to go with you on that. I'm going to trust you. Um, but, dude, that is so badass. Yeah, is the, I think the craziest part, actually, is the field goal post. I think the field goal post planted on, like, where home plate would almost be. Yeah, I didn't even process that. Right? So right because you just assume football and you're yeah. like, field goal, but then you're like, no, this is fucking Yankee Stadium. This yeah. is not correct. And it's it's very close to where home plate would be. It's real close. <laughs> it's like very <laughs> close, dude. That's funny. That is I hilarious. Know. I think that's pretty sick. And then I think I have, I don't know, I thought I had that's one more. Sick. But yeah, so that is, that's Ithaca, man. That's the Cortica jug. And I really wanted to, I wanted to touch on that before we got into our, that's a good like precursor for our, our next guest being the D3 guy that he is. We're going to go over to our conversation now with other Cox and uh, I'll be reading all of his accolades right about now. Joining us now on the pod, 2022 WEAC Special Teams Player of the Year. This guy's tearing it up at UW-Stout. He's also first-team all-conference. It's Arthur Cox. Arthur, what's going on, my man? Pumped to get you on here, dude. I appreciate you for having me on, man. Of course, man. Big year for you. I'm sure, obviously, like, you know, just looking at the record, not where you guys wanted to end up as a team, but at the same time, a big year for you, dude, like I said. Oh, yeah. It's got to be exciting as hell. It was a big year. Yeah, we had um, we had a really good receiving room. We had a um, kid from Chatfield, Minnesota. His name was Parker Fossum. Uh, we had a kid from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I went to St. Lawrence. His name was Levy Hamer. He, he's he got every single record in the book here at Stout. So that's who oh, I'm yeah. chasing right now with only one year left. Um, yeah, we had a good year. We came out in some close games, man. Couldn't couldn't get the, the top side of those. But, you know, we're just, we just got back in the weight room today, man. We're striving to get better for next year. So, hey, we're in the same spot, dude. We're in there. Six o'clock back there at ten o'clock for me. It was uh it's a good little wake up call to get back. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, we yeah. came back uh six AM that Friday morning and oh, uh the big guy group. I mean you walk in and coaches know like you got a oh, trash yeah. can at each station. And as I'm walking <laughs> in, you see one after another just kind of sauntering oh, over yeah. there. And uh it was good. I think since then we've done a lot better. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. It since... was just that, that wake up call on <laughs> Friday morning at six AM. We haven't lifted. Oh, yeah. We haven't worked out since yeah. break. So how was the day? Any uh any throwing the cookies or anyone tossing the cookies today? Or are you guys doing all right done? <laughs> no, not today. Today was just um was just uh we maxed out um on bench and so um, first day yeah, back? Just, yeah, just uh just to get a little um yeah, baseline for um where we want to be at by the end of spring ball. So just so off we're getting getting a little bit stronger, getting a little bit faster, you know. I hear you, dude. Now, uh, like you said, a lot of close games here this year for you for you guys, and uh, unfortunately, again, didn't come out on top of a lot of those. But that's the league, dude. That's the we it is. And we've we've become a little bit more familiar with that, having played Oshkosh the last two years, and we've had some of those teams in that league play with other GLIAC opponents, other D two opponents um, mm-hmm. across you know the Midwest. But you guys played five ranked teams this year. And something they all had in common was that UW in front of their name. That's yeah. unreal, dude. Talk about oh, yeah. that. Yeah, the, um, that's the thing. I, um, the first school I went to um, when I right straight out of high school in 2018 was Southwest Minnesota State. Um, they gave me opportunity, so I always thank them for that. Um, I went there, didn't uh, traveled the first year, didn't like it much. Um, just wasn't my vibe. You know, I felt like they just wasted a year traveling. I mean, as a freshman, I didn't expect to play. You know what I mean? It was just, mm-hmm. I was a true freshman, not expecting to play at all. But yeah. um, just didn't like the vibe there. So I got out of there, went back to my community college, 
and I uh, just started looking at my options. Just I'm, I don't know. You probably couldn't tell from camera, but I'm 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 five six, a solid like one one sixty, soaking wet. So <laughs> not a very big not a very big individual, and uh, it was very hard to get recruited after that. I bet. Uh, man. I started um, hitting up all the YX schools. A bunch of them contacted me back, but um, ended up coming down to Stout, and this is where I'm at. I'm glad I called home because they gave me opportunity. Like I said, and um, you know, two team or two time All Conference and uh, special teams player of the year. So I, th- I always have my praise for them because they they gave me opportunity when no one would. So, oh yeah, dude, I love that. And I was just I sent it in our little uh, our group chat too. Like you've got some supporters over there too. I mean, the people which I just sent out a little graphic saying like, yeah, he's gonna be on the show. Uh, you know, a couple of your coaches threw me a follow. I was like, damn, head coach was the six hundredth follower. Shout oh, out, yeah. coach. Oh yeah, Appreciate South Coach him, Brewer, man. man. Shout out that man. I I still have the email I wrote in my my notes right now to him, trying to get to get get here. I didn't know if he would he would take me some five six so small, but you know I showed him what I was worth, and now I'm here, and he's he's giving me opportunity every time we come on the field Saturday. So I appreciate him. That's awesome, dude. That is awesome. Like you said, you're not the only one in that in that room in that room or on that team that has just had like breakout years, breakout whether it be stats or otherwise. Like mm-hmm. you guys filled up some pretty big accolades and again not to be like callous but for a five and five team like impressive that you have those type of caliber players but those guys are all around at division three I don't think people realize that obviously mm-hmm. because a lot of the times comes in a little bit different shapes and sizes right I think your freshman year at least at stout they had you listed at like 170 and then this year was like 150 like uh-huh. what's the deal uh-huh. with that man yeah I, I I lost a little bit of weight I felt like um being that strong I just um I, I didn't I didn't feel myself, you know. I did, I'm more of an elusive guy, you know, make people miss. Um I, I definitely don't shy away from contact. Don't get that a bunch of yeah. people get that mixed around, Hell but yeah. I don't shy away from contact. But I mean, I just feel like I wasn't my normal self, wasn't hitting my normal speed, you know, wasn't getting out of my breaks good enough. So I um switching to receiver. I used to play running back in high school, so okay. <laughs> switching to receiver, um coming over to side. I even played running back at Southwest, which was a, a large task of picking up those NSIC linebackers in yep. the A-gap. So <laughs> um, it was just a, a nice transition. I played a little bit of receiver in high school, but um, I went to a school with about 800 kids, so there wasn't enough kids to um, so <laughs> where I could play a receiver and running back. So uh-huh. I just sucked it out at running back and uh, stayed there for the, solid, the last two years. I was upperclassman. I got you. Now talk about, like, because I know I went through it. Trev, you definitely went through it, is, like, just figuring out your body, especially when you get to college, right? Like, I came in. COVID years, my freshman year, and, uh, you know, we grind through those fall practices. We grind through those spring practices, and I'm just trying to earn my spot as a freshman. I go from, I probably got here, like, a little under 200 pounds, worked my way up to, like, 218, like, almost pushing mm-hmm. 220, and I felt like a son of I was a meatball. Like, I was just a straight meatball. I wasn't yeah. moving, like, anything, so I go in the totally opposite direction, get all the way mm-hmm. down to, like, 189, and all of a sudden, I'm feeling, like, frail. Like, I feel, I feel yeah. weak, you know? So it's like... Yeah. I've seen, I, like, I've done both ends of the spectrum. Now you find like a happy medium, and mm-hmm. I just I'm curious to hear like what your journey was like with that. It sounds like you've kind of gone through some of that as well, finding like your your good playing weight. Yeah, and um, in high school, um, I was um, I, I I just felt like I needed to get bigger. Uh, I took a bigger load my junior year. I averaged about probably like probably twenty eight carries a game, so it was a, <laughs> a good a good load. <laughs> It was it was a good amount, you know. So I, I felt I needed to bulk some weight up, and um, uh, then by my senior year, I I, I figured uh, if I could just make people miss, you know, <laughs> whatever weight I'm at, it don't really matter. I'll, I'll get less touches. I'll get in the end zone more. So I decided <laughs> to drop down about probably 160 there, and then 
Um, probably got back up to, yeah, around 170. I went to Southwest and then lost it all once I thought I was coming to Stout and coming to change the receiver. Just felt like uh, being, you know, a little five, six bowling ball wasn't going to help me in slots. So, I I'm mean, telling you, man, that's what it was. It's a bowling ball season, man. Exactly. Everyone so, goes through I mean, it. It's a necessary phase of college football, it, dude. It very it is. It is for sure. I love that. Now, like, from a lineman's perspective, though, like, is that – does that at all ring a bell? Like, is that very similar, or is it like a totally different process? For me, it was a little different because I came in at about 280 pounds. Now I'm about I'm about 300, 295. Because he wanted, too, he wanted you to go up when you got in, right? Yeah, but he wanted me just to build muscle. It was just okay. like, and that's all I really had to do. Yeah, and and for me, it's always been pretty easy because it's not like I don't have to lose a lot. I don't want to lose weight, and if I gain a few pounds, it's it's not a big deal. I'm an offensive <laughs> lineman. Like, I'm not running around, you know what yeah. I mean? Hey, the margins are, like, a little bit – the margins yeah. are a little bit wider. Yeah. yeah, I never had, like, a set weight. It was just, like, just stay in here and keep gaining muscle and you'll be good. So that's where I'm kind of at right now. I love that, dude. Um, <laughs> but kind of mentioned a little bit earlier the competition in your league. It's great. But also the support, it seems like. That's one thing I always look at is the attendance numbers at a lot of these things, especially when you compare levels. I think it's a oh, really yeah. cool stat to look at. And – there were a couple times this past year you guys are playing in front of almost 4,000 people. You don't see that mm-hmm. a lot at, you know, Division three level of football anywhere in the country, dude. Talk about that. Probably some pretty sweet environments, especially a lot of those in-state type of rivalry matchups. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, actually, majority of the kids are um, from in-state. You know, yep. some kids from Minnesota, some kids from Illinois. You know, we even got some kids from Arizona that are some complete dogs, man. So oh, yeah. Those Arizona kids, those are some dogs out there, man. <laughs> but, yeah, we got kids from all over, but – Majority are from Wisconsin, like I was saying, and um, it's just easy for their family to travel and even their friends, you know, friends from high school, friends of friends and and whatnot. And even my family, I mean, I live in Dixon or my family lives in Dixon, Illinois, and they travel four and a half hours to come see me play on Saturday. So it's really just, um, yeah, it's really just just love. A lot of a lot of people just spread the love and and we just got a lot of support behind us. Um, a lot of people just love Wyack football. Also, they just they love the rivalries. They love the they love the grit and the grind of of Wyack football. I mean, uh, it's it's a real it's a real special place. I mean, even if we go on away games, I know um, we'll have a crowd and a rally behind us tailgate, and you know, see that stout flag flying when you roll in on the bus, man. It feels great because you know there's people are there supporting you, and there won't be a you know no let in, energy game, no energy game. You know, you got, yeah, you, you got to bring your own energy type deal. We had to do that maybe one game this season, but. Um, other than that, the fans came and they, they showed out even cold and hot. It didn't matter. Like, um, they showed up and showed out and it was loud for us, whether we were down 14 or up 20, you know what I mean? So shout out Stout Faithful, man. Shout out to Stout Faithful. You come in there, like it's a different vibe. It's a different feeling when you come in there and there's no fans. Then you're like, you're playing underdog. You're playing like yeah. a spoiler, especially oh, when yeah. it's like a team schedule you for like a homecoming or a senior, you know what I mean? Like a senior day type deal, whatever that is. Like that's a different type of uh, a good feeling when you come in there and spoil that for someone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's the best. Um, I felt like that when we played Platteville because uh, they came off a big win the week before they, they beat Whitewater. And as many people know, if they know anything about why football, Whitewater has been dominant for years. Oh yeah. Uh, they've always been good. And they, they just, they had their chest pumped up coming in our stadium and, and we felt that we took that as disrespect, you know, they're like, yeah, you had a big win last week, but we're a totally different team. So we, we came out, showed out and we won in triple overtime. Never thought oh, I'd make yeah. it to a triple overtime game or sick. trading off two point conversions, but Hey, that's what we practice for Monday through Friday. You know what I mean? And, 
And, and, and that's what we prepare for is that type of stuff right there. Those moments where our, our quarterback just throws a, 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 a leak tight end across the end zone <laughs> when he's getting pressured in his face yeah. and he catches it one hands. And, and as, as a wide receiver, I'm always giving the, the tight ends crap saying that you guys need to get off the field, man. Get the athletes on the field, man. Get the, these wide receivers on the field, <laughs> but man, I'll never, I'll never hate on them. I told them that too. I'll never hate on them after the a few games this year. They came through big and and got oh, yeah. us a few dubs. So yeah, y'all don't like hearing like you know you come out there twelve personnel, twenty two yeah, personnel. personnel. Like, no, oh, I don't want to hear that, man. I want to hear we're that. Back on the sideline, man. What the hell is this? <laughs> hey, I, that's me. I love, I love that shit. I live, I live for those personnel groups. But as a wideout, obviously, you're not, you're not trying to oh, hear yeah. that. You're not trying. No, to no. That as a running back, though, back in high school, I would love to hear that, man. Bring some boxes on the field. Some boxes on the field. Give me some more <laughs> boxes. Let me get a ten man box. Yeah, give me a ten man box, man. They used to load the box in high school, anyways, man. So I was. I wanted a bigger box anyways. You I mean, might as well put some more people in carries a game, I would hope you're loading the box. <laughs> exactly. I, I understand why they loaded the box, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. But um, on that on that same note, the D3, the love at D3, we're going to talk about it a lot more in depth here in a little bit, but the biggest D3 game, Cortica Ithaca. I'm not sure if you're familiar with their rivalry they have. Mm-hmm. It's called the Cortica Jug. They play for it every year. I was there in 2019. I was looking to potentially go to Ithaca. Dude, mm-hmm. there were 45,000 fans at this game, this D3 game. Jesus Christ. And we're going to break into here, but I just like, that's the stat right there. It's the record, obviously. But yeah. they played it in MetLife Stadium. And, like, you know, I don't care what stadium, what teams, whatever. If you can get that many people out to a game, just, a you know, alumni, current, and form, past and former and future, you know, alum, people of all those colleges, like, the love for D3 is there. And, like, I will oh, yeah. say, too, uh, two of the top six games of all time are, bet- are between Wisconsin schools in terms of attendance. So that uh, yeah. that football, you guys, they're definitely showing out over there in attendance. But, oh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I kind of touched on it earlier. The GLIAC and D2 teams playing some of those schools in your conference. Have you guys had any of those games since you've been there? Uh, no, not since I've been here. Um, even not even when I was at Southwest. I, I actually was surprised to see that um, Oscar has played you guys, but I saw the year before on film. So I, I was watching film for them and I saw it and I was like wow they're playing <laughs> Michigan that's a, that's a dome man that's nice Dude, man crazy, <laughs> crazy. That's, a, that's a solid team man we barely like we squeaked out that win this year we, we played a good game out, yeah. you know what I mean we oh, played no, a good they... game but like quality team dude quality team yeah. like you have teams like um, I know lacrosse went and played Grand Valley I believe it was just last year and mm-hmm. you look at halftime of that game Grand Valley is a top whatever team in D2 in the country the game was like a one score or a tied game at halftime Exactly. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. What, what is going on? And now Grand Valley, they pulled away in the second half and they kind of showed why they're Grand Valley. But like, mm-hmm. dude, though, I'm just I just think it's awesome to see that. And I'm just hoping for a lot more of that, to be honest with you. Because yeah. one, I think it's just really cool whenever you can get those kind of cross division matchups, especially with a really good D three and a really good D two conference when you get those mm-hmm. matchups, but also for recruiting. Like, oh, imagine yeah. what it does for you guys and for those teams in that Wisconsin league. Like, oh yeah, if they were to come out and beat GV or when they don't take on us well, or whoever, lacrosse, like lacrosse beat Wayne State this year. I mean, I know Wayne State had a down year. Yeah, but yeah. still, they, they went into Wayne State and beat them in Detroit. It's a D two team, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. So, yeah. like the fact that they can do that, I got I feel like you're going into a high school. That's your first recruiting pitch. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, I I hope we get a game like that. I mean, I'd love to see some competition like that. I mean, like I said, there's. There's crazy, crazy D2, D1 bounce backs in the WIAC. Like, 
uh, I'm like, dude, where'd this kid come from that, that's on another team? It's like, oh, yeah, that's a D1 bounce back from yep. NIU. I'm like, dude, why did you come to this conference, man? You're, <laughs> you're good, man. God, jeez. But, you know, I love competition. I never shy away from competition. I, I think it just brings the best out of me. Um, and, like, that's the thing is when I was playing at Southwest, I figured once I was transferring to a D3 that um, – the, the competition with, with the level would go down and in a few positions, I will admit it did, but overall, man, I think there's just some dogs out here in D3. I just think there's some real dogs out here and, and you'll see it when you come, when you come to the game, man, there's some kids that are, are running sideline to sideline with me. I'm like, dude, come on. Now I got to put on some type of move, man. I got to <laughs> stop and go, you know, a little hit step or something. I don't know, man. I got to do something, man. But it, I just I love the competition in this conference, and that's the reason why I came here after leaving Southwest because I knew yeah. that um, just just from being in Illinois, I knew that some kids uh, would come over to this conference and um, succeed, you know, and and play good competition, play close games, and and that's what you love. You don't you don't love walking in somewhere and blowing some team out. That's not. I mean, yeah, you love scoring touchdowns and celebrating yeah. with your team, but you really love those close games where after you're, you're telling stories the whole bus ride home about a certain play and what something somebody did and, and something like that. You know what I mean? Those close games are what you live for. So, yeah. With that, though, best team you guys played this year, hands down. Anyone jump out? Um, I would have to say lacrosse. Okay. Uh, lacrosse is real good this year. Um, they had um, a, like a two-system quarterback, I think. Um, on on their offense, and one was a runner, one was a, a passer, but they they kind of mixed in well. Um, we actually went in the halftime in the game, but we just turned the ball over a little bit too much. You know, they had a a few kids that were that were um, that were pretty good. You know, <laughs> pretty good. I think they had an All American safety. Uh, I think his name's Elijah. All he's he's pretty he's pretty he's pretty good. I played him for two years now, and he's always impressed me on film. And that's where you can tell is all the time on film. You know, because you're watching every play, every down. Where hey, do you want to get in this play or not? Like, and that that there's certain kids in this conference that they're in the play every play. You know, you can't. It don't matter if you throw a receiver at him and a safety or something, try to chip him or something, chip a DN or something like. It, they're they're going to get in the play no matter what. And there's just there's just some kids like that in this conference that are just dogs, man. That's, That's what you wanted that position, man. And I'm going oh, through yeah. I'm going through the box scores from this year, right? Doing my research, trying to do my job here as a host. But mm -hmm. uh, you've had some solid returns. Obviously, I listed the accolades in the beginning. The one from Eau Claire, 96 yards, got to be a special moment for you. But be honest, you had to be gassed as hell. Oh yeah, Don't I was tell a little gas. The field like sprint. I feel like some guys trying to play that <laughs> off. If you run that thing ninety six and crib it, I know you are done in the end zone. Little gas. Like, oh. I was feeling like uh, Trey Henderson from the Bengals when he went that yeah, stupid score dude. from the Ravens. That's how I was feeling. No, I was. I was. I, I will tell you the most gas I was was. Um, uh, we had a turnover on uh, against the cross, and dude was dude was taking it. He he was going, and I'm like, oh, I'm off the DKM. I'm off the DKM. So I'm running. I'm running. Our running back's a little bit in front of us. He just gets blindsided. But I felt bad for him. <laughs> he just gets blindsided. Black. So I try to run around him and like on their sideline, like kind of legal touching and try to keep chasing after this dude. Did not catch him at all. I thought I was D. I was not DK. I'm not some <laughs> some people are DK. I'm not DK. And I went back to the sideline. I'm like, damn, I was. We got to go back into the offense in one play. I, I had to get someone to get me return and whatnot. I'm like, why did I chase? Like, why did I? I mean, I got hearts. So I'll always chase someone down no matter how far I am away. But, God, I was, I was the tiredest I was for sure. I was like, I sent someone in for me to kick off return. And I, I think I sat probably like the first two plays out on, on offense. And I had to go back in there. So That's awesome, dude. But, hey, that's all good stuff. Kind of wrapping it up with you. Another year to go for you, right? You got one more? Yes, sir. Hell yeah. So 
yes, sir. Come on, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but goals for you, 2023, man. Big year for you, obviously, and just kind of wanting to go out in a statement year. What do you got in mind? What are your sights set on for this year, brother? Well, um, like, to say this first, I, I kind of want more team team accomplishments more than the hey, individual good accomplishments hey, good this answer. year. You know, good I, no, like, seriously, I'm dead serious. I mean, like I said earlier in the podcast, like, I, I got two-time all-conference, you know, and special teams player of the year. So, I, I mean, all region third team for returner. So, I mean, like, I got, I got accomplishments. It's more team success. You know, yeah. I've been five and five both years I've been here, and we weren't very successful at Southwest. So, I mean, I haven't been successful since high school. I had a positive record since high school. So, that, that's – Mostly the big thing is at least um, we're definitely striving to win the conference of, of, as always. But um, if, you know, we get one or two losses in conference, at least make playoffs or uh, the Isthmus Bowl. You know, I, I just yeah. want a team accomplishment to end my career because I've been playing football since I was six, man. It's, it's been a long time, man. I'm turning 23 next month, so I'm getting old here, man. I'm about to hang them up and <laughs> feel like Frank Gore, man. <laughs> but, no, yeah, hey, just... <laughs> no. You got, you got a couple of years before you on Gore's level, all right? Exactly. Gore no, but another level. This, Especially this that more position. Team. It makes no oh, yeah. sense. No sense at all how he lasted that long, man. <laughs> no sense. Uh, but, Arthur, my man, like I said at the beginning, I mean it, dude. I appreciate you. It's been good, brother. Really appreciate you no. coming on. I appreciate you for having me on, man. I'm 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 a forever support this co- podcast for having me on. You know what I mean? You still oh, love man. me. I'll still love to you back, bro. My man. Hey, we'll be in touch. I expect a lot of big things from from you and the boys down there. All right. Yes, sir. I got gotcha. you. Right? I got gotcha. you. Have a good one, man. We'll see you. You, yeah. you too. Appreciate the man, Arthur. Man, that was fun. I said man twice. I'm going into my Dan Campbell phase. Um, but he was a good dude. He brought energy. That's what we were kind of talking about when we closed that interview. Is just like when guys bring energy like that. He was just excited. Like, he, he was. was just pumped to do that. And we Smiling appreciate that. Yeah. He was a great guy. Hell yeah. And um, like I was telling him in the middle of our interview, I got to pull up my phone because I'm going to totally uh, disrespect Coach here. I got to figure out. Oh, we got three more followers by the time I close this. So, um, head coach for UW Stout was our 600th follower, Clayt Birmingham. Shout out Coach Birmingham, man. <laughs> Follower number 600 for D1R. That is, that's awesome, dude. So shout out to those guys. Um, five and five in that conference. Again, it's like going five and five in the GLIAC, right? It's a tough, very tough thing to do. Even those five losses, you know, they're going to be against quality teams. So um, really excited to see what he and they do moving on. But only four teams moving on in the NFL scene. That is the takeaway from the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We'll pull up... Uh, we got this guy here, and here we're looking at the bracket for the remainder of the playoffs. Pull that up there. Now, moving on, we can kind of go game by game on this one, but, I mean, just to start things off, Bengals, Chiefs, Niners, Eagles, three of the four same teams as last year, obviously with the Rams being that one substitute uh, in the NFC for the Eagles, and... Um, you know, people rip on college football a lot about the lack of parity and, uh, you know, that diversification is not the right rule, but uh, the right word, but, um, you know, variety, yeah. right, in those yeah. playoff teams. Maybe we need to have to start having the same conversation about the NFL, huh? I mean, I feel like if you look through the NFL, like, I don't know the stats on it. They're, they're different teams have different runs, and, you know, like, you have. We're just in a time right now yeah. where these teams are, these these teams are hot. These teams are, the, are hot, exactly. I think that's fair. Now, like, you could, you could <clears throat> argue that. Pretty soon, Kansas City might start to go down a little because some of their guys are getting older. They're certainly not going to go 
oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not, this is like, if anything, they've reached it and you would assume, but then we could be proved wrong. We, we, we have could. before, I, you know? I shouldn't say that on yeah. here and then. <laughs> and and then you got the 49ers. What are they going to do next year with quarterback? A lot like, of question marks, so obviously. so many questions. Yeah. Like, so you never know, like. Like I was saying, like you had the the Tom Brady area of the Patriots, like they had their time. Obviously, it's gone now, and it's just it's yeah, that shit over with. It's kind of cyclical, and it's just going to keep on repeating. I think you're right, and we can start right with the 49ers. They beat the Cowboys 19 to 12, and kind of back to like what we associate with San Fran and like a gritty playoff win, oh, yeah. right? Especially when you look at like last year against Green Bay, they didn't even have an offensive touchdown, and they go and beat Green Bay at Green Bay, and you're like. That is not supposed to happen, right? Like those games yeah. are, but that's what San Fran, that's, they thrive in those situations. And for me, the biggest takeaway, again, obviously is Brock Purdy. I think he's but great. He, he, he's he genuinely, is. he's a good NFL quarterback. He's playing like one. And I, like, I don't know. If it's crazy. He's, he's fooling us and this isn't going to be how he's like. <laughs> right? That's my, but, that's what my note says, dude. I said, Brock Purdy still looks good. It feels like we've been waiting for the rookie reality check. I wrote. Yeah, but we've yet to get it. No, he, I mean, I'm saying this now because now he's good, but I remember him being pretty darn good at Iowa State. Oh, he was more than darn. Yeah, he was more he than was, darn good. He was yeah. good. Like, no one really talked about Iowa State. I mean, maybe because no. from where we're from. like And conference, too. Like, yeah, their conference is not, yeah. Yeah. But Big 12, correct? He, I watched, yeah, Big 12. Yeah. And he is he was good in college. Hell, yeah. Like, he was, he was unreal. And he was doing exactly what he's doing now in the NFL, so. Yeah. And this is a weird comparison, but you'll see where I'm going with it. Lamar Jackson, year one in the league, obviously electrifying. And then year two, you come back, and they're very different play styles. Like, I'm not comparing the two. Oh, yeah. I yeah. just let's preface that. But what I am comparing is that reality check does set in a little bit because, let's face it, there's some really smart defensive minds in the right. NFL. Yeah. And when you give these defensive coordinators and these defensive coaches a year to study your, not only your traits and your playmaking, but your habits – and your things that happen on a subconscious level that your little tells, right, on certain plays. Mm-hmm. You know, you might give this away. Or you're looking here, and your your eyes and your body will never lie, especially to D.C. So when they can pick up on certain things and certain tendencies that these young quarterbacks have that might be hard to snap, um, you give them a year, and it'll be very interesting. Now, for our sake, let's just hope Brock Purdy just makes this a run and just caps it off. Huh? What do you think? Yeah. Mr. Irrelevant? What kind of storyline would that be? I mean, it'd be the perfect storyline, really. It'd I mean- be pretty good. Okay, that was pretty funny. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will say, that's another thing is the question mark, obviously, because you also have, let's not forget, you have two other quarterbacks that are competent quarterbacks yeah, that are both hurting out right now. I was saying it the other day, like, what do you do for the 49ers? Do you do you trade away Trey Lance when he's worth something still? You pray. I don't do you, Jimmy Garoppolo, I, he's, he's an average quarterback, but... I don't think he's ever going to take you to the Super Bowl. The thing is with him, he's at a very interesting point in his career where he, I don't believe, is great enough to go somewhere else and just be a starter automatically, but I feel like he's too accomplished and too qualified to be a backup. I agree. And so you're in a very interesting predicament, and I say like that's why you, you just, if you're the 49ers, you just pray. You pray that, A, someone wants to take Garoppolo or Lance off your hands and someone make the decision want, a lot easier. Yeah, someone will want Trey Lance. I would assume so. You can, yeah. while he's still worth something, I'd get rid of him because Brock Purdy is a lot cheaper. That is very true. I don't know what his contract is. But we just know he based on where they're yeah, picked. Where he's yeah. picked and also, high. rookie this year means you have more years on a, on a rookie deal potentially. Yeah. And then also with Lance, he was picked, what, one or two years ago? 
two now. Two now, I believe. So that rookie deal inches closer and closer where you'd have to eventually, obviously, make a new deal, and that means a lot more money. Yeah, exactly. Very interesting situation, but closing off on that game, the Cowboys' final play, Zeke gives it a try under at center and uh, gets absolutely – like there's a Ezekiel Elliott-sized imprint in the turf. I just want to know – In uh, Levi Stadium, correct? I think yes. it's a Levi Stadium. Levi yeah, stadium. there's a Zeke-sized imprint out there yep. somewhere. I just want to know what the thought process was on that play. One, I don't know. I couldn't tell one, you. One, why do you have Ezekiel Elliott snapping the ball? <laughs> You can run. There are so many what, other ways what, you could have been utilized. What I think the plan was was they were going to start doing the laterals. Yeah, but probably. they wanted to get their linemen out as blockers. I think that was okay. the whole point. That's not a bad idea. I mean, I, in concept, I, I see, in concept. I'm trying to. Fi- I've been trying to figure out the concept of this I and play devil's advocate and like yeah. give them a chance, benefit of the doubt. But why can't you just still put your center at center, and then he can go block? Like you can do everything you did, and have that set up. Just have Zeke as an eligible receiver because he's your starting running back. He's not a center. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. And uh, the comparison that a lot of people were drawing was to, and I was seeing if I could try and pull it up here, but I don't know if I'll be able to. Was the play with Pat McAfee and the Colts, <laughs> right? If you remember that one, he's under center, not even in shotgun. No. And there's three defenders in front. There's just a center and whatever, the quarterback, whatever, but, like, the guy taking the snap. And the ball was not supposed to be snapped. Well, they snapped the ball. What do you think happened? There's three defenders there. He gets tackled. It might have been the worst play in NFL history. It was the worst play in NFL history. And so that was drawing pretty close comparisons to what just happened. Cowboys might have the second worst play now because at least they gained yards. I know they need to, like, win the game, but. Yeah. But that Colts play (laughs) was by far the worst. You know, it was. Um, but after that Cowboys game, after that final play, I would like you to explain what you just explained to me to this fine Cowboys fan, this gentleman. Let's take a look and see. I'm not going to have the volume on because I know he's probably just absolutely throwing around some expletives. Um, <laughs> that TV gone in the lamb Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> he gets in his truck. In the truck. And- <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. That ain't no little truck either. Oh, the mirror's coming out. Oh, that's a fancy truck. He's going to back over it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Here we go. Thank you for blurring out the license plates. We can't come after this man. And no remorse. No more. Gosh. Oh. Oh. It just spit it out. Did the screen come off? I think it What was that? We're going to hold on. I need to rewind. That is the screen. Can we? Holy shit. The, the screen just comes oh right off. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Dude. Well, he was efficient about breaking his TV. He actually was. No, he certainly was. I mean, props to that guy. Now, he is actually one of only three videos we're about to check out, so uh, you're going to want to stay tuned for these two. But uh, you said your over-under was, what, three or four? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so we've got a couple more TVs that are definitely going to get busted before we uh, move on to the next topic. So uh, if you don't want to see that, skip ahead. But I I think you should stick around for this one. here we have another Cowboys fan watching in some kind of living room. Not even sitting, by the way. Crouched, crouched. and oh my fist. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> in the knee. In the jorts and slides is and crazy. Pulls down the little uh, Cowboys sign. On you the know team. that Prescott jersey got burned approximately 30 minutes after this video was taken. 
I wonder what I want to watch. Can we admire the stance? Hold on, I'm pausing it. Look at the stance. That's a dedicated fan. It really is. How long has he been sitting like that? That's what I want to know. Has it been the whole His whole quads game? are on fire, but he doesn't care because he's watching Zeke Elliott snap the fucking ball right now. <laughs> and get absolutely And then what's actually even the more ground. hilarious, the punch, and then he's look, he continues to gesture and yell at the TV like like is that what you wanted? How about now? Like he was showing the TV what the Yeah, up. I don't know. He just he went like feral at this point and he was not really sure what's going on, but uh not kind of a wimpy punch, to be and, honest with you. But I wanna know <laughs> Look at his fist. He like balled his fist up like he's a middle schooler. <laughs> I want to know, did he have to go to the hospital after that? After but for the played? knee, potentially. Look at the knee. It's like when they break a bat in baseball and it just doesn't go right. I don't know. But I, he definitely just played your, it off. He went and punched it, and that's all glass. I wonder. Oh, we're talking yeah. into the fist. Yeah, if we got fist. some like shrapnel or some type well, he of. Might, he probably has some shrapnel in his hand. In now. the moment, though, that adrenaline is going crazy oh, it doesn't for hurt. him. It doesn't hurt him right there. It's going, like the adrenaline for him right now is just through the roof in that moment. So, um, Maybe we'll have to follow up and see what the hospital bill was looking like for Bub after that. <laughs> um, but three of three, finish it off. And uh, let's see if we can get another TV destroyed. Uh, nope, just kidding. This one is not a TV, but a jersey. And is he pissing on that jersey? Nope, not piss. Uh, he's, he's burning that shit. And if you notice, said jersey on the ground is being burned. It's a Dak jersey. Look what he's got on. He's got a Romo jersey on. <laughs> Burning a Dak jersey. So do you think he had the Dak jersey on, took it off to burn it, and go went and put the Tony Romo jersey on? Or he had the Romo jersey on underneath because he knew <laughs> He knew this. that was going to happen. Yes. That would be the cooler story. Look how excited he is about this shit. He said, tell your homeboys, you throw interception in the play. Look at him. He pointed at the nine. He said, nine would never do me like this. He might actually. So what is he? A touchdown signal? That's a that's a decent fire that he's got that going really at the end is. there. Fast forward to the end. That those flames are kicking, dude. Look at the, the exposure of the camera went down automatically to compensate. I like that you can just still barely see the four to know that it's still that. This touchdown. almost looks like some type of cult meeting now. <laughs> With him looking over the flames. Like you'd sprinkle something in there and like summon something. Maybe like a better quarterback. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> maybe Cooper Rush. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good, dude. Where the hell is Cooper Rush when you need him, dude? Oh my gosh. That is awesome. Uh, that's good. Uh, but we get, we have more NFL games to cover. I forget. Like we actually have other NFL games to talk about. Uh, we can move on. Um, Bengals. They go into Buffalo. A lot of people thought, including myself, like this might be the team of destiny. They've been the Super Bowl favorites since the opener. And they certainly have not looked like a lock and key Super Bowl favorite the entire year. But they've had their moments where they obviously have, have been on top of the mountain. But they go into Buffalo. They beat up the Bills 27 to 10. And it felt like this one was pretty one-sided from the get-go in Cincy. They were picking them apart on offense. The creativity was there. And I don't even know if it was blown coverages. I think it was just really smart and well-designed play calling in the beginning. Those couple yeah. touchdowns. The one was to Hurst, tight end, right? And the yeah. first one was to Chase, though, right? Yeah, the first one was to Jamar, yeah. And the way that they picked apart that defense and knew from their tendencies that, you know, given this look and this, you know, situation, they're going to fold. And mm -hmm. it was just, it was really cool to see. They got up early on them. 
And it was just tough to come back from that. Buffalo almost had no rushing offense. Allen was their leading rusher with, I want to say, like 28 yards. That's atrocious. Really not good. He was only averaging like three a carry, which is really bad. Because he was, a lot of that too is because he was under pressure. Yeah. So he was under duress and under pressure. And what's funny about that is the Bengals, or sorry, the the Bills O-line, excuse me, was not the one under pressure and the one receiving all this criticism and, and hate throughout the week. It was the Bengals offensive line. Although... I want to mention, they're much improved from last year. And they were very, I say very good. They were pretty good this weekend. Yeah. And they were so bad last year, and the Bengals still made it to the Super Bowl. I feel like yep. I feel like people don't really talk about the Bengals that much. Like, like really much at all. Like, so many people counted them out this year. Kind of myself included. I won't lie. I did in the beginning of the year. And then, I didn't, to be honest. They got hot. I didn't even realize how hot they got. Because, I, I mean, I pay attention to the NFL, but like still, like the AFC North, I'm not... Paying attention to the AFC as much it as... It feels a, like a world away yeah. from kind of what we're... As, yeah. as a Lions fan, I'm paying more attention to the NFC games. I didn't realize that... What, how many did they win in a row? It was it was a big streak. Something absurd. It was like over six, maybe. I want to say seven, but yeah. I, I could be wrong. You're in the ballpark, for yeah, sure. We something both like are. that. It's like, they're, they're basically the same team from last year, but just better. Yeah. And they made it to the Super Bowl. So With valuable playoff we, experience. Yeah, why did we count them out? All they did was improve their defense and improve their O-line. And then they had they had the same skill guys that were amazing last year. Yeah, and, and Joe just, Burrow's making his case to be yeah. another again top five yeah. finishing quarterback in the league this year. And they just improved from last year. So yeah, and we shouldn't have counted them for out. the Bills. It felt like losing Von Miller was really noticeable in this type of environment, this type of game in Buffalo, playoff time, kind of like big implications. Um, they've had some playmakers step up on that side of the ball. Milano, dog. He's good. Dude, like, when even when he's not making plays, he's making plays. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he gets in the backfield, he doesn't make a tackle, but he's so disruptive, like, that the play is bounced or it's tunneled in or whatever he's trying to do, and, like, other guys are just swarming to the ball. Like, he is so fun to watch. He's dynamic mm-hmm. as hell. Um, the only guy maybe more dynamic than him is, like, Warner. Like, Warner is so fun to watch in the Niners. A yeah. um, little bit different position, but still. Um, felt like losing Von Biller, kind of a kind of a big deal for them, which I don't know if people appreciated that also. Because of his age and kind of what people had said yeah, about I think him, it was like, I mean, I remember seeing stuff about it, but I didn't think people talked. It wasn't about a it huge it wasn't deal, like a yeah. Huge all over social media, kind of big deal. Yeah, a hundred percent. Then, kind of rounding things out here, other side of the NFC, Eagles trounced the Giants. That's all. It wasn't. Um, even, it, I it, didn't really have much notes on that one. Yeah, it just wasn't even. It was kind of disheartening after Danny Dimes and Saquon come out and they have their like. Welcome to the big stage type yeah. moment. And then you just come, you're so underwhelming in that next performance. Against a division opponent, I will say too, that has already beat you twice. It is so hard to beat a team. It's hard to beat a team twice. It's even harder to beat a team three, three times. times yeah. And then to do it that overwhelmingly just. And Danny Dimes uh, was not Danny Dimes. He no. Was, he. He was kind of back to his old self. And we were just talking about last week talk- how, yeah. I was talking about him last week. How the fifth-year off- option. Yeah. And like, he's definitely going to make a bunch of money. And, like, still, playoffs, first playoff win in who knows how long. Yeah. Like, so many great things to be proud of if you're a Dave or the Giants yeah. or just a fan. But, man, for it to end like that to the yeah, Eagles. It's disheartening. But they're almost like they got a new head coach. It's like. They were kind of like going through a rebuild, and they they kind of surprised some people. Which is crazy. Yeah, technically they probably maybe should have been, but when you yeah. look at their young talent on both sides of the ball, I think like it just kind of shows you what can happen paper, that quickly. This year should have been more of a rebuild for them. Yeah, but obviously, I mean, they still had they made it to the playoffs, won a playoff game. Give them some credit, but they just they looked atrocious. Like the Eagles just beat them in every possible category of yeah. football. 
talk about supposed to be in a technical maybe rebuild or not. I don't know. But Jacksonville. They kept that one close, like they crazy did. close. The Chiefs, they keep it rolling against Jacksonville. They end up when I believe it was 27 to 20. And uh, Mahomes goes down with that little kind of nasty ankle injury. And we saw that with Pollard as well. I didn't touch on that during the Cowboys game. But yeah. when you have that type of tackle where the defender comes up behind, and I don't really don't think it's a fault to the defender. No, I, don't, I don't really no, think it is. No. But they come up behind him, I'm talking about, and they wrap, and then their lower body tends to just kind of drop, and their weight falls. And... When you catch a weird angle and the ankle of the offensive player gets stuck underneath like that, yeah. it's really tough to watch. Mm-hmm. So he actually came back for a bit too, which was he finished the game crazy. Yeah, exactly. He finished it, which was I, why. But it's a playoff game. It was a one score game. I kind of get it. He was visibly fr- frustrated. I don't know if you saw that yep. throwing his helmet. Like you don't see that type of. He's usually a very like well mannered, like and very pos- yeah, positive, cold, uplifting positive guy. But he was. I mean, I sh- I'm sure it was a mix of pain and adrenaline and, yep. like, wanting to compete. Uh-huh. And we I saw mean, that with Stephon Diggs, so we didn't really talk about that. And his emotions, he, yeah. him and Josh Allen are so close, obviously. But then, like, I don't think people understand. He's come under fire a little bit for how he's reacted on the sideline and then some of the stuff that's been rumored to be going on post-game. But I don't think people understand in that situation – at least I can imagine with Diggs and Allen, like those two guys are obviously so close on and off the field. Like when you're really brothers with someone like that, that shit happens. Like that's totally normal for you to go at it with a dude like that. Cause if you are like that close to someone and you're both that competitive, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I didn't think that. there was anything wrong with that. It worried me a little bit. The whole locker room thing. Yeah. See, game. I just don't know how much of that is true. So I don't, don't want to speculate, either. but if it is true if and is he's true. just dipping out on his teammates, not a good I, look. Not a good look at all. That's Agreed. what I wish I knew the whole story to that, and we'll never get the full story of that. I mean, probably not. Probably not. It'll come out on some random obscure NFL podcast in like a couple months, probably. Yeah. To be honest with you, someone from the locker room will want a quick, you know, second of fame and just start yeah. speaking on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'm curious about that, but that's the only thing that concerns me. Him, we, guys argue like, especially you were saying Josh Allen and. Stephon Diggs are so close. That's going to happen. Like, that'll happen. Yeah. You spend enough time with someone. Shit. Yeah. If you're in the same house with someone for so long, you're going to argue with them. It just, yeah. it just happens. It's just life. It's, like, it's just dudes. It, they're like brothers. Like, mm-hmm. like they, you always say, like, your teammates are your brothers. Yeah. Legitimately, brothers also argue. Uh, yeah. I time. mean, I, I'm sure you know. And you. Yeah, I do know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the Chiefs, man. Jacksonville. Obviously, Jacksonville's playing some good football, but they're not the Bengals. And the Chiefs may or may not be without Patrick Mahomes. It sounds like he's going to at least try and play, but you, you're one weird, awkward fall away from being without Patrick Mahomes. And this team is extremely talented. Are they talented enough to do it without Mahomes under center? No. That's your $500 million man. No, they can't do it with Chad Henney. No. I'm sorry. I would also agree with you. Coming, I know Anything is not possible. I know it's coming from a Michigan State fan, so I'm not the biggest Ch- Chad Henney supporter. Yeah. He is not the answer. But also... One-legged, basically Patrick Mahomes, one-ankled Patrick Mahomes is also not also the not the answer. So you're Did stuck you with two non-answers. So do two negatives yeah. make a positive? Or is I, that not? I don't know what. I I don't know their uh, answer. That's the problem. Uh. Like, did you see Mahomes trying to go out, like, an outside stretch play? Yeah, dude, was He bad. couldn't even Ugly. get out there. Ugly. He, get, he had to hop out there. Yeah. It's like, how do you have a guy out there when he can't physically go five feet, like, laterally yeah. and hand the ball? It's like, it was like, this is a really bad analogy. It was like watching a dog, and you know, like it's going to be put down or something. And it's like that is a horrible analogy. It's bad, but it's, bad, what, but it's like you, you know what I mean. It's like it's such a helpless feeling of like, man, yeah, yeah. You now you can't do anything about it, and you just yeah. like 
you know what I mean? Or like a dog, not even a dog you gotta put down, like a dog that's hurt. And they're yeah, like, like, like that. Yeah, around, hobbling yeah. around. You're like, nah, it sucks. Yeah. Like, you can't do nothing about it. Or I don't know. Terrible, like I said, I prefaced it. It's a terrible analogy, but it was, just, it was a helpless feeling watching Mahomes yeah. play like that. And I don't know what type of miracle treatments they have in Kansas City or in the NFL in general, but hopefully they got something I mean, that if he if he does decide to play, that he can be serviceable yeah. and he more likely, you know, can be healthy. I don't, how, I don't know if possible. We don't know how bad. They said it's a high ankle sprain, which is never good to hear. High it's the most common injury in sports. It's but, bad. Yeah, high ankle is usually worse. And they linger. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I've had some crazy Yeah, high I've ankles. had some too. But we don't know the severity of it. Can he play? Is it is it to the point where, because a high ankle sprain, you can be out longer than a fracture and when you have it real bad. I actually was. I was told yeah. that in my sophomore year of high school, I was told that it would have been better off for me to just yeah, break I've, my ankle and recover from that as I've opposed that to the ankle too. sprain that I had. My whole foot was swollen and looked oh, like yeah. a purple oh, yeah. bead. I don't even know thing. what. I had, Jelly. I had, so you have four main ligaments in your ankle, right? Too yeah. high, like too low. I tore all, I tore three out of the four of them. Yeah. And they're like, you should have just, you, you would have been better off just breaking your ankle. Yeah. Well, you want, actually, I'm going to do it right, right now. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's try it out. You sprain your ankle. I'll break my ankle and see which one recovers. Faster. No, I'm saying the doctor when you met him was oh, like, yeah. "You'd actually be better off breaking it." Do you actually? Do you mind if I just? <laughs> oh yeah, now now you'll be fine. <laughs> Unbearable. Yeah, it'd be crazy. But, but yeah, back to uh, that. Like, yeah, we don't know the severity of it no. until people will act like they do over the next couple of days as well. They'll definitely act like they do. Yeah, but ankle injury not that serious. Ankle injury could be bad. Bad news. Oh yeah, everyone will say it. And your your boy Adam Schefter will probably tweet about Got it. Got his ass on mute. <laughs> I don't give a damn. <laughs> I don't give a damn. But that's all from D1R84. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate Jack and Arthur for joining us today. Two really good guests. Uh, we've had a lot of episodes with two guests lately. I gotta. It's fun, but I gotta keep spacing these guys out, man. <laughs> I gotta keep rolling content out. I don't get too much going on at once, but. Uh, a lot of big things happening. Appreciate y'all for listening. Appreciate you, Trev. Of course.